You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to the Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White, and welcome to another Ego Fest. Ego Fest 6, that is a lot of ego. Yes, it's that time where I brag and boast and occasionally say something that may be of use to listeners of the Projection Booth. The last Ego Fest was a little crazy. It was about a year ago, and it was five freaking hours long. I promise this one will be a lot shorter. Now, I'm not going to bury the lead here. First thing I want to bring up is that there are some changes with the actual hosting at the projection booth that may or may not affect the way that you get your podcasts. Blog Talk Radio, our current host, has made an arrangement with Spreaker. That's a good thing. The actual RSS feed for Blog Talk is going to switch over to Spreaker, which is also a good thing. The only possible downside for folks is that when the switch happens, you may get some extra episodes downloading on your smartphone if that's how you get your podcast. I would hope that that doesn't happen, but it might. So rather than freaking you out, I wanted to give you a little heads up. I'm sure I will still get emails, tweets, etc. But for you people in the know, I wanted to let you know. And that change is going to be happening pretty darn quickly because I just kind of want to get this show on the road. Other than that, uh, you may not experience any differences at all other than the ones I've gotten a few complaints about. If all goes right, you will have access to all of the back catalog via your podcast player rather than just the last 300 episodes. We've got about a thousand hours of content out there, so you will have access to all of that instead of the paltry 700 hours or whatever is out there presently. Now, while I'm talking to you about content, I want to remind folks that I'm often making guest appearances on other podcasts, especially the Culture Cast, which is available over at cultureshocked.com. Chris is such a mensch that he even dedicated an entire month of programming to me. That's right, Mike White March, where we talked about Japanese New Wave films all month. So if you don't have enough Japanese New Wave films in your life, now is your chance. And it was definitely quite an honor. Now, Chris is my partner over at the Cold Check Tapes podcast, where every month we look at an episode of The Night Stalker from both 1974 and the 2005 reboot. It's been going on for over a year now, and I'm actually very happy with some of the episodes we've done over there. It's available over at coldchecktapes.com. Don't worry, I will put out all of these URLs in the show notes, which will be available at www.projectionboothpodcast.com or projection-booth.com. Whichever way you want to go, they're both going to take you to the same place. As if I don't have enough to do, I've been contemplating doing another monthly or semi-regularly podcast, but this one I will need help with because I only have one episode planned out, the pilot episode as it were. You may have read about this on the Projection Booth Facebook group per the poll I put up. 
I'm thinking that the show is going to be called Illiterate Smut, and it will be a place to spotlight some incredibly bad adult-themed content. Then i got to figure out a logo. The idea is that each month, me or one of my guests will do a dramatic reading of a story from a letters-style magazine. I was inspired by a story I read a long time ago that has managed to stick in my head for all these years because it was so bad. I don't mean that the metaphors were bad or that the grammar hurt my brain, any of those kind of things. It was the attitude of the author that really got me. So, yeah, if this thing takes off, keep an eye out for that. And speaking of things to do, the next few months are going to be a little nuts for me. I'm traveling, though not like going to Shanghai for three months. Instead, I'll be doing three little trips over three weekends over the next four weeks, you know, because I like to keep things exciting. By the time this drops, my first trip will be wrapped up. I'm actually recording it on the road right now. That is for research I'm doing for a future episode and maybe a little something else that I can't yet announce. I don't want to be all mysterious, but you'll have to be patient with that one. The second is me going down to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for meeting up with some of my absent friends and going to the Movie 8 Film Festival where my old pal Skiz Sizik's latest documentary, Ice Pick to the Moon, is closing out the fest. Skiz has been working on this documentary for 19 years, and I think I've known him for about 23 years. I actually met him at a screening of Who Do You Think You're Fooling at the New York Underground Film Festival all those years ago when I had my 15 minutes of fame. So that means that he's actually been working on the film for almost the entire time that we've known one another. I saw the finished version of Ice Pick to the Moon at Cinema Detroit in April. It's a documentary about the Reverend Fred Lane and the Redolinist movement. When I was a kid, I used to see Fred Lane albums in all the better record stores like I remember seeing from the one who cut you up on the wall at the Wyandotte Record Exchange, kind of enshrined in a place of honor. But I didn't hear his stuff until I started hanging out with Skiz. And yeah, it'll curl your nose hairs. It is great stuff. I will actually play out this episode with some of Fred Lane's stuff so you get a taste. For more on the movie and to see where it's playing near you, visit www.fredlanedoc.com. One place where Ice Pick to the Moon won't be playing, sadly, is at the Chicago Underground Film Festival. I'll be dropping a bonus episode where I talk to festival director Brian Wendorf about the 25th annual Chicago Underground Film Festival and what's happening there. Full disclosure, I'm very honored to have been asked to be a judge at Cuff this year. The other judges are way classier than me, but that's not too hard. But it'll be great to be back at judging a film festival. It's been a few years since I've had that responsibility. So in my spare time, (laughs) in all my spare time, I'll be watching all of the features that are at the festival this year. And when I get there, I'll be watching all of the shorts. Now, that festival is coming up in early June, so I better get my ass in gear. And that bonus episode will be dropping sometime between when this one drops and when the festival starts, which is June 6th. 
Now, I'm planning this whole trip to Chicago as cheap as I can. I'm doing the mega bus there, which is a little cheaper than the train, just so you know. And it's actually way cheaper than a tank of gas. Thanks, Obama. I'm also trying my first Airbnb experience. I'm already a little nervous because I think I've gotten a couch instead of a room. I don't think that's how Airbnb is supposed to work. Uh, you know, I need a place to take all the chicks I pick up at the festival because, you know, film fans, they put out ass, grass, or brackage, am I right? I am very excited to be at the Chicago Underground because they are playing a tribute to Craig Baldwin as their guest of honor this year. I'm still surprised when I run across film fans who aren't familiar with his work. I don't want to sound elitist or anything, but if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Tribulation 99 or Sonic Outlaws, just do it. Just do so immediately. Just stop the podcast. Go watch Tribulation 99. It's less than an hour. I think it's less than 50 minutes, and it will change your life. I will even put links up on the show notes at projection-booth.com where you can see those. They are required viewing. Don't tell me you've seen Ready Player One and you haven't seen a Craig Baldwin film. Thank you. Since Ego Fest is all about blowing my own horn, I also wanted to put out there something that I've mentioned maybe a couple times, but I am the proud producer of a new documentary that is about Ready for the World. It is called Survival of the Film Freaks. I was approached a while back by Bill By Force of Outside the Cinema and Kyle Kuchka of Phantasm. That's Phantasm with an F, the documentary about fan conventions, about helping out with their documentary. Apparently, they thought I'm pretty good in lining up interviews, so that's what I did wherever I could. And I got to look at the rough cut, and I have to say it was one of those situations. The credits came up. I saw my name listed. And I get this panicky feeling of, oh my God, I hope this doesn't suck. Fortunately, I had nothing to worry about. In fact, I am very proud to have my name on their work because now I can take all of the credit. Actually, in all seriousness, it is a great documentary, and I'm hoping it will have a successful festival run and that I can start sharing some dates and places where it will play. If folks have any suggestions of cool festivals or if listeners have any sway in that department, just let me know. To keep up with Survival of the Film Freaks, be sure to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You can find those links at the website survivalofthefilmfreaks.com. Dot com. Nobody said that was an easy title to say. Survival of the Film Freaks.com. And keeping with the documentary theme, I also wanted to give a shout out to Alexander Chuchinsky, who was on our Caligula episode way back when. He had been talking about all of his research on Tinto Brass's Caligula and had recently just as of this recording, had recently had his first screening of Mission Caligula. And I will talk a little bit more about that, uh, but I hope that I can get Maitland McDonough and Rob St. Mary back on an episode, and we'll put that out maybe like in June or July. Uh, all that, and I'm trying to learn Chinese all at the same time. Okay, one thing I try to do with the projection booth, boy, I feel like I'm flying through this this week, 
One thing I try to do with the projection booth, if you haven't figured it out yet, is to try and, you know, give back a little bit for all the people who are giving to me. That's one reason why I'm always trying to have different co-hosts or guests on the show to give listeners a chance to hear various perspectives, not just me and my dumbass opinions. So in an effort to give back, I've asked folks who donate to the show via Patreon to send me things that they've been working on so I can be sure to plug them. Fortunately, my job has been made easier by folks sending audio files. That said, I want to play the audio for the trailer of Steve McMillan's latest film, Killer of Women. Go ahead and roll that clip. I am not the end. I am become death, but not the end at all. You will see me in movie theaters and in malls, suburbs and at colleges and police cars and airports, east to west, north and south. Terror will reign. You can't kill me. You can only try to get on with your lies. Good luck. I'll be watching. I am the monster. It was always me. I also want to give a shout out to Terrence Cover, who runs the Troma Dance Detroit Film Festival. And he was very glad to make me this clip that we will play right now. Greetings from Tromaville. I'm not Lloyd Kaufman, but I'm here to tell you about Troma Dance Detroit. Do you wish there were some good movies playing somewhere instead of all that recycled, corporate-owned Hollywood bullshit at the megaplexes? Or perhaps that there was a fantastic art show featuring sexy or subversive works by true, independent artists instead of the usual pretentious work created just to show how smart the artist thinks they are? Well, I'm here to tell you there's already an event that features truly independent art, movies, and performances, plus a rockin' band. And it's free to attend. It's called Troma Dance Detroit, and it happens this year at Ant Hall in sunny Hamtramck, Michigan. Ant Hall is located near downtown Hamtramck, where the cool kids hang out. And it's just a short walk from many fine eateries featuring menus from around the world. The Ghost Light Bar is also located inside Ant Hall itself for all your libation needs. You can find all the details about Troma Dance Detroit on Facebook or at traumadancedetroit.org. So come on down to Troma Dance Detroit on Saturday, June 16th from 1 p.m. till 11 p.m. and support truly independent art. Now to the reader mail section of the podcast where people like to give me homework. I'm very bad at homework. You can ask my Chinese teacher. As we go through here, there might be some questions where I hem and haw, so just bear with me. All right, from Stuart Chivers comes this message. I started a blog at the beginning of this year, primarily to write appreciations of Jess Franco and Jean Roland, or Jean Roland, sorry. Clearly, the world does not need any more written material on these two, and the endeavor is entirely for my own amusement. As much as anything, it gives me an opportunity to revisit their filmographies and try to make sense of their enduring appeal. The site also contains a number of reviews of adult films, and it takes its name, Carnal Cinema, from a project I began in the mid-2000s, which was focused solely on adult cinema. The intention was to chart the history of American hardcore by looking at the films themselves, so it would have been a little different to the cultural and sociological approach normally taken on the subject. Note the past tense, I burned out and never finished the project, but most of the reviews are up there for posterity. I hope to add to them at some point. The URL for that is 
carnalcinema.blog. That doesn't seem like a real URL, but it actually is. I checked it out, so you can take my word for it. Go over to Carnal Cinema, check out Stuart's work. Here is a note I got from listener Jason Davis for the EgoFest. I hope you can use these questions for EgoFest 2018, and fingers crossed we get to hear from the mighty Rob St. Mary during the podcast. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. No, Rob. It's just me and a microphone feeling kind of lonely. Firstly, and this might read to you as a thinly veiled question for advice about embarking on projects and podcasting on films, are there any approaches, styles, formats, such as experimental or even given genres of podcasting on films or film culture that you think deserve to be explored more or have their boundaries pushed more? Gosh, you know, experimental films, they don't necessarily get their due that much these days. You know, I dropped Brackage's name up there, but I wouldn't know a Brackage from a I don't know, from a, from an anger or something. No, I guess I know an anger. From a kukar. No, I know a kukar. But there's a lot of good experimental films out there and a lot of bad experimental films out there. But it'd be nice to kind of go through and talk about those. That would be kind of cool. As far as other, you know, uh, genres that maybe haven't been covered that much. I mean, you know, the, the thing, and I'm, I have a feeling I'm going to talk about this a little bit more because I've had a sneak peek at some of these emails. The thing that a lot of podcasters excel in is doing like the jokey kind of comedy riffing about stuff, but they don't do like the serious look at films and try to put them in the historical context and all that kind of stuff. So like rather than just looking at like chop sake films and talking about how goofy they are and let's you know talk about the one-armed swordsman for a month or something and if you've done that i apologize because i'm not ripping on anybody in particular i'm just kind of throwing stuff out i'm spitballing as it were but if you're gonna you know do that why not do a serious version why not do a podcast and there probably are podcasts about this just about the shaw brothers and go through their entire filmography and good luck with that. But that's something that I don't think necessarily gets the the respect that it deserves. I mean, there's probably spaghetti westerns out there. Maybe there's neorealismo podcasts. Maybe there's, you know, French New Wave podcasts. I mean, gosh, just looking at, pick a year. Pick, uh, you know, I always talk about 1968. But say, pick 1962 and just go through... All the films released in 1962? How about that? That would be kind of crazy and see what was going on in the world at that particular time. Or, I don't know, uh, it was on the tip of my tongue a few seconds ago. Go, th- go through all of the con, the, 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 the Golden Palm winners, if you can, because some of those are difficult to find these days. Just go through all the Golden Palm winners and maybe the jury selections and just talk about those because that's a a neat snapshot in time better than i would say the oscars because those are way political and i know Khan is political as well but that would be interesting to see how that and then also how that compares with what maybe won the oscars or the golden globes or the golden lion or any of those kind of things for that same year so yeah couple ideas secondly boy that was just one thing secondly every episode of the projection booth 
you've labored on is assiduously researched. Oh, thank you so much. With all aspects of a film's existence covered, from its gestation as a script version to its afterlives as film tie-ins, DVD commentaries, reboots, etc., do you think such an appetite for deep immersion, or deep hurting, and some people would say, and multiple perspectives on the lives of a film can have is growing or declining? Is online culture creating ignorance about film knowledge or limiting to it to what has already been repeated as common knowledge from established, readily accessible sources? I've made the point on the show, actually just recently, I said, we're not going to go through the IMDb trivia and just read the trivia stuff. There's more to the trivia. There's more to stuff than just the rumors. And that's one thing I do try to make a point of if I'm doing an interview with somebody and there's the long held story or the rumor or this kind of thing is try to dispel some of those. Unfortunately, nobody's going back and cleaning up IMDb, which is the source of all knowledge on the internet, as far as movies are concerned. And God, just even looking at the freaking trivia for stuff, it'll be like the same fact, quote unquote, 10 times. It's like, if you try to come at things from a different angle, Sometimes you just get shot down. Or there's those yahoos out there who are just like, what's this movie that absolutely sucks? I'm going to write a quote-unquote think piece about it and just come at it and say that everybody else is wrong and I'm right. And that's why, you know, the Star Wars prequels are fantastic or whatever, you know. And it's just, it's it's clickbait. It's just there to get people angry about things. And it's there's usually zero to no thought put into any of that kind of garbage. So, I don't know. Is online the best place for film criticism these days? Yeah, there's some great stuff still being written, but it's It's tough to find, and there's a lot of garbage you got to sift through. I mean, thank God for you know people like Sam and Kat who are doing such a great job at the, you know, the, the Daughters of Darkness there are people that are doing great work out there, but it's tough to find sometimes. I was thinking of how, for example, oh, sorry, this is kind of picking up from the last paragraph. I was thinking of how, for example, Karina Longworth's You Must Remember This podcast episode on Dorothy Stretton only went as far as Peter Bogdanovich's account of Stretton's miserable experience of being on the set of William Sachs's Galaxina something which Sachs himself refutes on his commentary for Galaxina, a source which Karina didn't consult or refer to. Yeah, that's a troublesome kind of thing, isn't it? When there are other things out there, and you should at least say, this is one thing, this is another, who are we going to believe? And then feel free if you want to pass judgment and say, I have a feeling that it's this account that is real, but, you know, it's that whole thing of there's however many versions of the truth. There's his version, her version, Gene Simmons's version, uh, Alfredo Garcia's version, all these different versions out there, and you just kind of have to make up your own mind, but it's always nice to present different viewpoints. I mean, that's one of my favorite things, especially when I have two interview subjects that absolutely 100% contradict each other. If you want to hear, in my opinion, 
uh, a great episode where that happens is go back and listen to the Electric Light and Blue episode where you get these two guys, the two writers on the film, who used to be partners, who used to work together quite a bit, and man, they contradict each other almost every turn. One says black, the other one says white. It is pretty neat. Carrying on with the letter... Or as much as the entertainment value of Red Letter Media comes from watching 30-somethings spontaneously react to the deficiencies on display in a 1980s B-movie or shot-on-video effort, if I want to be surprised at discovering how one of those films was shot on short ends, why the director had to cast his pre-adolescent son he's been awarded custody to as the film's monster, how the tiny nailer sign ended up in a basement location shoot, what the last films of Angelique Pettijohn were, or the Belgian distribution deals cooked up by Moishi Diamond for the same film, sorry if I pronounced that name wrong, then I know I'm going to have to chase up the DVD commentary of Fred Olin Ray's Biohazard. And lastly... How do you refer to the creative format of each episode you pull together? Do you think of it as film journalism, oral history, the audio equivalent of long-form essay, or a documentary composed from roundtable discussion and interviews? Wow. Jesus. Uh, Cheers, Jason. Um, How do I refer to the creative format? You know, it's, it's a podcast. That's pretty much it. I mean... I've been very fortunate that a couple episodes have been picked up and used as audio commentary on, you know, some DVD releases. Uh, Case of a Rookie Hangman is one. I don't think that's out yet. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, the Cremator was another one. We kind of redid our commentary, uh, our our podcast that we did for the Thing, uh, the Arrow release of the Thing. So. That's out there, too. Um, There are other times where I wish that podcast episodes were picked up for something because maybe we had more stuff going on in the podcast than the actual real official extras that were released with the film. That always kind of makes me sad. Like, we managed to get an interview with the director, the writer, the who, the the, ba-ba-ba-ba, and then you get the... DVD and it's bare bones or they skip over these people who are available and nobody's reached out to me to say, Hey, how can I get a hold of this guy or figured it out themselves? So whatever. But yeah, it's, I refer to it as a podcast. Um, maybe there's something else to it. I mean, there are people that do video essays. Those are fantastic. There are people who do other things who do like real real criticism. I don't know if I consider myself a real critic or just some schlub who has a stupid hobby and doesn't know what the hell to do with himself on weekends other than edit audio. Here is another note from listener Mike Keller. I've been listening to the podcast for going on two years, I think, but mostly I've been going to the previous episodes page and listening to the episodes for movies I've already seen so I was unaware of the Ego Fest episodes. Yeah, that's true. We kind of keep those hidden because they're not movies, so they don't get on there. Sorry. And sometimes the bonus stuff doesn't get on there either because it's not really like 
the canon of <laughs> of the podcast itself. Uh, I've been listening to the last years to get a feel for it, and I've thought of two questions I'd like to ask. Okay, Mike Keller, I'm listening to your questions. One, I'm occasionally surprised to hear you and slash or your co-hosts say that there are generally admired contemporary filmmakers that you don't care for. P.T. Anderson and Wes Anderson come to mind. Yes, there's a lot of Andersons out there. There's the other Anderson brother, who I tend to like a lot. But I get that there's kind of a hipster-slash-twee-slash-preciousness thing about them. But still, I feel like they've turned in some good work over the years. Yeah, okay. Um, And I was surprised to hear that you weren't more into Eyes Wide Shut, although I think you're generally an appreciator of Kubrick. Anyway, I think that it's totally fine that you aren't worshipping the same handful of directors that so many other film buffs are. But my question is, and in bold it says, do you have any contemporary directors you consider personal favorites? Maybe a top five or something. Top five... That's giving me homework. Um, all right. So thinking of contemporary directors, who are the people that when they have a new movie coming out, I go, let's go see the new so-and-so movie. Um, I hate to say it. I really, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I still will say, let's go see the new Tarantino movie. Uh, I used to say, let's go see the new Rodriguez film, but then it doesn't seem to have happened for a while. Um, Guillermo del Toro. I will go see the latest Guillermo del Toro film. Um, God, I sound like such an old man, but I, I, I usually I will go see the new Spielberg, the new Scorsese, uh, the new De Palma, if there is such a thing, these kind of things, but... You know, I, I missed Silence. I missed uh, The Post. I didn't miss Ready Player One, for God's sake. Um, so I don't I don't see everything that these guys put out. I would say I go see the new Nolan stuff, but I still haven't seen Dunkirk. So I can't... Shit, I usually would say that I'd, I'd go see the new Aronofsky thing, but I didn't see Mother yet. So it kind of... That was right when I was going over to Shanghai and for whatever reason mother didn't play Shanghai so that was tough um god yeah I, I'm an old man I, I wanted to see the new John Woo film that's a tough thing man uh, you know if, if, if Marvel Studios isn't making it why bother to see it you know I mean that's the only stuff that's out there on the entertainment block or at least that's what the haters will say <laughs> so for that matter uh Takeda Waitiki, uh, sorry for butchering his name, but I will see his stuff pretty regularly. Um, yeah, yeah, there's that, that's that's about it. So, sorry, that's a that's a shitty answer, you know. And I'm even trying to think of like foreign filmmakers and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't tend to go to like see the latest Ben Wheatley or. What's that guy's name? Nicholas Winding Refn. So, yeah, Cronenberg. When Cronenberg makes a new movie, I usually make an effort to see it. So, but again, all the guys I'm saying are like in their 70s as far as like, you know, the new, uh, the, like some of these new horror directors, James Wan, those kind of guys. Eh, 
you know, wait till video, maybe. There's not a whole lot of stuff I want to see, so sorry. I spend my time mostly seeing older films, and then, yeah, a lot of the newer ones are kind of disappointing. Sorry. That was a horrible answer, Mike Keller. I'm sorry. He writes also, this may be too broad of a question to even discuss productively, but what do you think of current state of film culture, both in terms of quality of new films in general and the quality of the critical and or cultural discussion around them? current state of film criticism, he continues and he says, for example, I find myself overwhelmed by the amount of new films, underwhelmed by their general quality, and more or less retreating to the films of yesteryear, the good old days when films were films, not these digital video thingies. I'm half joking here. With their regard to the culture, I've generally checked out of it because I feel like movies don't even matter that much to the people reporting on them these days. The hashtag MeToo movement was a huge deal and worth talking Talking about, but for years now, I feel like film websites and to some extent the larger film culture have been preoccupied with whether or not a movie has the proper politics, both in terms of its production, casting, etc., and its content, and that the actual movies are just kind of lost in the background. The projection booth has been a welcome exception. Oh, see, you, you gave me the compliment in there that that. That's why you get your letter read. The projection booth has been a welcome exception to this trend, by the way. I feel like it is at some point the art was all lost, and now it's like talking sports or worse, politics. I've railed about this before, but I don't give a shit about Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's an aggregate of people's reviews, but then common folks can put in their reviews and critics put in their reviews and who gives a shit i don't i don't care about that stuff yeah and that stuff feels like freaking sports stuff it's like i don't care how many free throws kobe bryant gets i don't care that nolan ryan i'm pulling these names out i'm not sure who these people are i don't care that nolan ryan's got a point blah 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 batting average and has so and so eras and i don't care that this film has a 12 percent on rotten tomatoes who gives a shit about that stuff and when i see commercials where it says 100 percent on rotten tomatoes i know it's the same thing as when I was growing up, and I would say, Siskel and Ebert, two thumbs up. You know, it, it just quit reducing things to that. But I know it makes it easy for people. And there are probably people that, that care about that stuff. Probably people that actually look at Rotten Tomatoes before they go to see a movie. They probably will pick a movie that's 45% or something that's 25% or who cares. I go to see a movie to see a movie. I don't look at the scores before I see a movie. So I I think film culture, you know, if we're talking about that kind of stuff, that it could definitely use a kick in the pants. But people are going to do what they're going to want to do. People who used to look in the newspaper for God's sakes, and look at the last line of the review and see what the grade was, see what Owen Gleiberman has given something, they'll do that now with whatever means they're going to want to do. When I go to the movies, the only thing I look at before I go is I have an app called Run P, R-U-N, P-E-E, 
And that tells me when I get, should or can get up and go to the restroom during a movie. And it will also tell me if there's stuff after the credits and how long the credits run for. So that way I know whether I need to sit and watch all the credits, if there's going to be a stinger scene. Sometimes I'll watch credits regardless if there's a stinger scene or not. But do I need to stick around? When can I get up and run to the restroom and not really ruin anything? And as you get older, kids, that's going to be much more important than what a Rotten Tomato score is. So what the dictates of your bladder are, especially when we have these films that are clocking in at two and a half, three hours long, that becomes a real important thing. So just putting that out there, that is a state of film criticism to me. That is the the state of what the world needs to be is tell me when I can get up and go to the bathroom. And if a movie is over three hours long, you might want to think about putting an intermission in there. Anyway, I hope all is well with you. I love the show. You've hipped me to so many movies that I've loved and deepened my appreciation for many others that I've already seen. Also, I hope Heather is back for the next EcoFest. She rules. Sorry, I live to disappoint. No Heather, no Rob St. Mary on this episode. Sorry. Gosh, I feel like I really did a bad thing. Also, I finally got around to listening to the Blast of Silence episode the other day, and holy crap, that Alan Barron interview was priceless. LMAO. Sincerely, another Mike. Yeah, yeah, that one goes down in the, the, the all-time greats. And finally, here is a note from listener Christy Valenti. Hi, Mike and Co. I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate how you balance your breadth of knowledge with critical thought and mix up high and low, which is a hard balance to strike when writing slash talking about any medium. I also enjoy your firsthand interviews with writers, producers, production designers, and all of the other people who never get the spotlight, but have the best stories. I think about your Clint Howard interview all the time. I love his sick Johnny Depp burn. I don't think he knows how many commodes he has in his house, which, it comes out, Johnny Depp probably doesn't. I also loved how he followed that up with telling you how many he had, just in case you thought he was too big for his patched mid-century one overall strap undone britches. Contributors like Heather Drain are great, too. I freaked out when Maitland McDonough started guesting. I've been reading her in film comment for a while, so I was really impressed. Yeah, you can go back to... Maitland's been on all the way since our Deep Red or Bird with the Crystal Plumage episode. She was a interview at that point for both of those episodes, and then she started guesting as a co-host... Oh, I don't remember the first time, but yeah, she is fantastic, as is Heather, and I, I don't think I need to say that, but um, Maitland is, is great, I'm really glad uh, that, that she's agreed to be part of the show on more than one occasion. I really like the episode that we did on Decoy, the old film noir, where it was Maitland and then Krista Faust. And I was sure they were either going to hate each other or get on famously. And fortunately, it was the getting on famously. They pretty much took over that episode, and I was absolutely fine with that. It was fantastic. 
Uh, back to Christy. I know it's been even more of an effort for you now that you're overseas, but thanks for all of your hard work. Actually, Christy, I'm back. I've been back since December 23rd, I think it was. No, 16th. I left on September 23rd and came back December 16th. Um, would I like to go back? Fuck yeah. Um, I would love to go back to Shanghai. I'd love to go there and live there for the rest of my days, but so far that's not in the cards. Uh, and then Christy adds a PS. I know you probably don't take suggestions, which we do take suggestions. I don't like taking suggestions because I already have so much stuff on the plate, but I'll talk a little bit more about that later. I know you probably don't su- take suggestions, but I would love to hear you cover who wants to kill Jesse. This really dark Czech comedy from the 1960s. It's about a mad scientist who accidentally causes her husband's favorite cartoon character to come out of the funny pages. There's a T-square battle, dark jokes about re-education, a sexy babe, and wacky chases. You know what, Christy? You are in luck. For Czech-tember this year, we are covering Who Wants to Kill Jesse? So, your wish is granted. Uh, If you want to know... All of the things that we're covering for the rest of 2018, minus any sort of special episodes that we just kind of drop here and there, uh, they're all available over at the Facebook page for the projection booth and i'll go ahead and link to that on the show notes if you go into the events section or if you have the projection booth app which is free on Google Play and iTunes, you can go into, I can't remember what the name of the tab is, but you can see all of the events and future episodes, and those are all pulled from that same Facebook feed. So you can see everything that we're doing all the way out till December of 2018. So, and you can see all the Czech Timber films that we're going to be covering in September. Hopefully people like Czech Timber. Uh, it was our lowest downloaded stuff for 2017 but i enjoyed doing it so gonna do it again damn it because believe it or not it's my show so i also want to name names as if as it were for all the folks who have agreed to allow me to acknowledge them as donors to the show you know some people want to remain anonymous i also want to give individual shout outs to everyone who continues to give to the projection booth so Forgive me if I butcher your name, so I will try my best not to. So I want to give thanks to, in seemingly random order, the following people. John Redford, Jordan Nash, Dr. Michael Brooks, Dallas Novell, R.W. Lovejoy, Skiz Zizek, who I talked about earlier. Be sure to check out fredlanedoc.com. Jonathan Melville, the author of the amazing book about tremors. Uh, it's I'm imagining, I haven't checked with Jonathan lately, but I'm imagining maybe there's a part two coming because the tremors verse, that's not a real thing, the tremors verse is continuing to grow and they just announced that they're not picking up the show that Kevin Bacon agreed to be on, which is a total bummer, but who knows, maybe somebody else will pick it up. I mean, with all the garbage that's on TV right now, we're not going to see a Tremors TV show? Come on. And it would be the second time there's been a Tremors TV show 
So, uh, bah. Carl Janis, Patrick Macius, Drew A. Yavor, Bob Vickers, Jordan Blasi. Jeez, Jordan, come on. You, you work. You don't do. You work for me. You do all of our social stuff. You uh, taking over. You got the Instagram account, and then you're also giving money. That's you're freaking crazy. Lars Christian Dedelsven. Sorry, Jacob W. Fleming, Jason Davis, Tony Hudson, Brandon Boland, Eric Peterson, Brindley Andrews, David Wolf. John Andrews, Bjorn Unar, David Springfield, Alvin Akarma. Alvin Akarma. Love that guy. You can go out now, if you have Amazon Prime, you know, the video service through Amazon, go out and check out his movie called Lethal Force. It is one of my favorite films of all time. I've not covered it on the projection booth only because I covered it on an episode of the Daily Grindhouse podcast way back when. They had an interview with Alvin. It was a great episode. I didn't really want to retread the same thing, but I might have to just because if you haven't seen Lethal Force, you really need to. It is a crazy action comedy so much stuff going on in that movie. I love it. So Check out Lethal Force on Amazon Prime right now. David Jordan, Antti Halopainen, Niklas Grabus, Alex Kohagen, Matthew Clark. I think that's Matthew Clark that I went to college with, who I actually unfriended on Facebook because he was a big Trump supporter. So not sure if he's going to hear this or not. Jordan Biaski, Myrna. Shane Hamilton, Derek Berkey, Alan Scott, Eric Gilliland, Chris Martz, Samuel Sanchez, The Two Doctors, that's an easy one to pronounce, Dylan Craig, Steve Wittig, Jake Pone, Matt Clark, not to be confused with Matthew Clark. These are actually two different people. Mr. X of Geek Juice Media. I think that's still a thing. Bill Ackerman, the one and only Bill Ackerman, ladies and gentlemen, who puts together one of the best podcasts out there, speaking of great podcasts, which is called Supporting Characters, where he interviews people that are doing a great job kind of bringing light to films and film culture. He's talked to luminaries such as Daniel Bird, as Heather Drain, as Sam Deegan, as Maitland McDonough. Like, it's almost a who's who of people that have co-hosted on this show. It's pretty amazing. And then he even, now this was his only misstep, only thing that Bill has done wrong on his show, he had me on there. So, I took up, I don't know, an hour just blabbering about shit. So, yeah, if he deleted that one from the back catalog, it would be a perfect show. Daniel Hines, Gabriel Martin. Hey, Christy Valenti. Christy Valenti, who sent me an email. She's also the co-author of The Love and Rockets Companion, 30 Years and Counting, available now on Amazon. Jim Ogden, Stuart. Thomas Ronka, 
Joshua Stewart, Andreas Muller, Eric Luther, Mark McGelliot, Michael Keller. Hey, there's Michael Keller, the other Mike. Stuart Chivers, also we heard from him. Michael O'Connor, Joseph Charlesworth, Bobby Power, Matt H., Alan Ricks, Brian Holt, David Hart, Ms. Dante, Morris Brzezinski, yes, Morris, of the See Her podcast and, and also the Love That Album podcast. Morris is a frequent contributor to the Projection Booth as well. He is, was actually was just on the Charlie Varick episode. He's going to be on more episodes before the end of the year. He might be one of my favorite five people from Melbourne. That's saying something. That's almost like the fourth best folk rock group from New Zealand. So he's up there. Now, actually, in all seriousness, I love Morris, and I'm so glad that he's been on the show. And then I go right into a name I don't think I can pronounce. Ode O'Mahony. I can do the O'Mahony. A-O-D-H. And I thought that was like a misspelling, and then I went and... Ode has a website, and you can hire Ode. It's got his old resume and stuff out there. So, Darren Williams, and then our latest two contributors to the Projection Booth Patreon are Brent Hassler and Mike Crate, in seemingly random order. Now, I hate asking for money. I hate having a Patreon. It is so tawdry, but it actually really helps. Now, I know I wrote a book called Podcasting on the Cheap, which is available now on the website projection-booth.com. And there is an expense to stuff. Um, You guys know that I try to do as much research that I can for every episode. So things like movies, the scripts, the books, where I can't locate versions of questionable legality, those things get to be a little pricey. And I'd go into all the other expenses, but they are all noted over on the Patreon site, patreon.com slash projection booth. What I'd really like to do sometime is actually build a studio, try to do the audio for the show the right way. I have been getting complaints from jokers over on Reddit who say the show sounds like it's recorded with two tin cans and some string. I don't know. Is it really that bad? I told them that they could go over to our Patreon page and chip in a few hundred bucks if they wanted. And oddly, that didn't seem to boost donations whatsoever. In fact, it actually seemed to engender some negativity, perhaps even a little foul language. But, um, you know, I know not everybody can afford to donate to the show. So there are a couple free ways you can help out. And I don't mean free ways like hit the road jack, but there are some ways of inexpensive means that you can help out. One of them is to rate and review the show wherever you download it from, be it Stitcher, Google Play, people actually still use Google Play, iTunes, despite how many times Apple has shot themselves in the foot when it comes to podcasting, they are still one of the biggest dogs on the block and getting an influx of reviews on their site through iTunes really makes a difference, believe it or not. Now, we've been doing this show for over seven years and have managed to net 240 reviews. And I think I know 200 of the people that have reviewed the show personally. 
If I run the numbers, I think that's approximately three reviews a month since we've been doing the show. That is not a lot of reviews, really. So I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip. Okay, yeah, I am trying to lay a guilt trip on you. But, you know, even if you can take a few minutes and write a review that will live and it'll haunt me for the rest of my days, you'll say things, I'll obsess over them, like, I can't hear the show, or uh, Mike talks about weird stuff, never cover a silent film, you know, those kind of things, it will haunt me to my grave, so if you want to haunt me to my grave, just go ahead, write, you know, a five-star review, say whatever the hell you want, you could write a five-star review and then tell me how badly it sucks, so that's, that's fine too. Or, you know, another free way is if you wanted to share the show on your social media, tell all your friends about it and sing it from the tallest tree, that would be great as well. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take to get you guys to do that? Should I start doing bad impersonations of Joan Crawford? Darling, you must simply listen to this niche podcast that delivers Simply too much content for human consumption. Now put down the tweet. If you know what I was doing there, you know that that was deliberate. Obviously, I am devolving here, and that means I should wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for listening to me jaw on. I still feel very self-conscious doing these ego fests, especially when it's just me and a microphone alone in the big room with a cat who's waiting for me to turn on the cat toy again. But I wanted to make sure that everybody is up to date with the show. Things are still chugging along. Now, because I'm an idiot, I'm working on a few extra episodes, a few bonus interviews, and I'm even doing interviews for shows that won't drop until 2019. So since you've listened this far, I will go ahead and drop some titles of a few films that I'm working on right now. There's going to be a special episode all about Detroit Rock City, where I'll be talking to the writer, producer, possibly the director, as well as a few other folks, including the author of a book all about Kiss's Destroyer album. That'll be dropping this summer. I'm also working on episodes for 2019 about FX. That's the movie F slash X. Heaven from 1998, The Mega Man, The Ruddles, All You Need Is Cash, Body Double, and one that we've gotten a lot of requests for, Big Trouble in Little China. Now, I'm sure there's a lot more. I'm still getting suggestions from people that they're doing through the site. All I can say is be patient. It might be 2023 or 2024 by the time we get there. Maybe by that time I'll be on NPR now and I won't be begging for money via Patreon. I will be shilling tote bags and coffee mugs in exchange for your hard-earned cash. Uh, Or the way that things are going, I'll be broadcasting from a secret undisclosed bunker under the former Statue of Liberty, worshipping a nuclear bomb and wearing a human mask to cover up my radiation burns. For notes and videos and all that stuff that I've jawed on about today, stop by projection-booth.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here is some Reverend Fred Lane to take away your pain.
way that film hangs on my coat, it sticks to my clothes. Gotta get away or I'll never get the chance. Grab a car, one, catch the action, took a sip, turn around, and I was gone. Don't drink that big a load, it'll make your forehead sweat. Drummer kicks my temples, read man picks my brains. You gotta tell him I didn't do nothing, I never had the chance. I don't know what I did, but my forehead starts to sweat. In my ineptitude, I really don't deserve to be alive. Ineffectual, I can't imagine how I had survived. In a container with a retainer and nothing for me on the other side. Town. Got to get away, I could keep on running, but it's by local Bigelow, better make it D.O.A. Keep on running, but it's dial over Bigelow. Better make it D-O-A. People stop and ask me about my wife. They think I broke my arm It's just exaggeration It's no big deal I never felt better In my life People stop and ask me about my broken arm Yeah, they think I beat my wife It's just their foolish dreams I don't let it worry me Cause I'm in the prime of my life I'm sick of my job I'm sick of my wife I'm sick of your face I'm sick of this life Gonna go to the store and purchase some hardware, my dear. Then I'll get in the car, pick up some chicken, arrive at your door, of which I will be kicking in. And I'll say what a day where you say, you both go have a drink or two. 
Then I put it to your forehead Put it to your temple Put it to your midriff I'll attempt to make a dimple And I'll put it in, put it in, put it in, put it in Then I put it to your eyeball Put it to your face a highball I drink to the master race and I put it in put it in put it in put it in Step way, prostitute, riffraff, the car keys, 
elbow, the knickknack, dispatch, telephone, nipless, lunar, six-pack, cream cheese, teacup, the sit-down, toothless, the pet-down, feel up, the wet-down, build-up, the let-down, the let-up, the big-down, the sonar, the lecture, the build-up, the let-down, the build-up, the let-down, build-up, the let-down, build-up, the let-down. Thank you.